Hello. Alright. <clears throat> Welcome to episode 104 of Auto Off Topic. I think you should keep that opening and don't delete it. Now you have to because I said it. Fine. Excellent. What's up, Andrew? Not much. You're Andrew. I'm Brad. Our listeners should know that by now. Is that how it but works? But if you're new, we did introductions right there because I made Andrew uncomfortable. So, mm-hmm. anyway. What's going on, Andrew? Not too much. Do we have a lot to talk about this week? We have a good amount. I think so. Do you I have some corrections you have to corrections? start the show. I have been corrected by a high number of listeners. Really? One of them being a former guest. <clears throat> yes. Dan Downey. Yes. And a couple others, one of them being a co-worker, actually. Mm. Uh, apparently, I was wrong on my E30 information two weeks ago. Was that two weeks ago or last week? It was, two, it was weeks two weeks ago. ago. It was during the question episode. Yes. Apparently, the... The largest engine in an E30 in North America was the 2.5 six-cylinder, so a 325 was the biggest or the highest numbered three series in the E30 range. Yep. So I do apologize for not having my German car facts correct, but so if you're looking for an E30 330i, it does not exist. So I apologize. Search for the 325. It's the biggest one you're going to get. There you go. Sorry. I don't pretend to know everything about BMWs. Okay. Even though I pretended like I did that time. Fair enough. Yeah. I was reasonably confident that there was a 330, but I guess I was wrong. All right. So, there is later on, obviously, but not in the E30 generation. So, 325. That's the way to go. All right. Well, moving on. Parts of car updates. What have you done? Because I've done Jack. I haven't really done anything, but I want to cover some stuff. Uh, the right rear AGX shock in the WRX mm-hmm. blew up. Okay. As they do. Okay. AGXs do. AGXs do. Yes, they are not good anymore. They've never been good. But they were the only thing available for a long time. Yeah. They were like the performance shock to go to for no. like the 90s. Well, they were cheap. That's why. Yeah. That's why everybody got them. Because Coney's that are way more expensive. Don't explode. Don't. Yeah. And but by explode, we mean like slowly seeps fluid out. We don't mean like a massive explosion. Well, it blew out, like it blew out the seal, yeah. and it's like, I might as well have drilled the shock out, all the fluid is gone, and uh, that's the problem on a WRX, if you want, Bilstein doesn't make anything for them, if you want conies, they have to be cut into the struts, so you take the original struts, and mm-hmm. cut them up, and put cony inserts in them, which is kind of annoying. It seems weird that on such a common car, there wouldn't be more options. I know, right? You're not dealing with a Starion. You're dealing with a WRX that there's literally a, hundreds of thousands of still in the room. A GD body WRX, which those struts, I think, work from first gen WRXs all the way through 07. Yeah. You would think it'd be more common. You think it would be, yeah. I mean, I guess a lot of people that are modifying go the coil over route. That's probably why. But you could put STI struts in. Uh, you could put Petters. It's an Australian company. But that doesn't sound easy to get in the States, is it? Uh, you can get them. Okay. I, I looked them up, but still there are too much money for what I want to spend on that car. So Yeah, it's just your daily. We had a local rally car. friend has a used pair for the rear. And I'm just gonna of the Petters? No. Of stock ones? Yeah. Okay. Just going to throw them in for now. Yeah, that's fine. And if they blow out, then I'll do something else, but whatever. Yeah. They're not going to be difficult to do now that you've had the rear part. Shouldn't be too bad. Yeah. And it's just bouncing a bunch, so I don't want to ruin that tire. Yep. So I got to do that soon. Um, I have front axle boots now for the Montero, so I can swap out the manual hubs, yep. and I'll replace both sides. Do the boots on the axles, because as soon as I do one side, the other side will rip. So of I course, might as well do them, well do them all at once. Up. Yep. And you have the manual hubs, the Asins. Mm-hmm. So the name brand equivalent of the generic ones you put on the first gen no they're a different design oh okay asin is the actual factory design okay so the early mighty maxes with four-wheel drive that came with them came with asins came with asins yeah they actually had the factory part number on them we covered i thought i thought that the other ones were the same but different like the same just different brand no the avms i think they were no different different design they're like a rugged ridge ripoff okay I think Rugged Ridge is just Chinese stuff, and they just put their badge on it. And the AVMs are the same thing. They Probably the same their, thing with a different badge on it. They put their badge on it. Yeah. yeah. Well, if that's the case, we'll have to do an install video of the new stuff and the new truck, too. Oh, I am. 
plan on it. Okay. If you haven't been to our YouTube channel, there's an install video on uh, my Kokomo center caps. There is. The skid plate on the Modero. Yep. And a couple other things. Getting yeah. the uh, NSU to run and uh, pulling the head off your Gallant. Yeah, which we haven't done anything with yet because I'm not a very smart man sometimes. Well, whatever. We'll get back to it. Uh, so anyway, a little housekeeping before we get into our discussing the Radwood Atlanta during grid life. There is a Radwood in Philadelphia coming up on October 14th. So it's a Sunday. Mm-hmm. The tickets are available now. There's a Facebook event for it. Uh, it's on Instagram. You shouldn't have any trouble finding it. You can go to our Facebook page. I think we linked it, actually. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, so if you're local in the Northeast, you should go check it out. Yeah, why not? Bring your 80s and 90s car. Dress in 80s and 90s dress. Uh, we wouldn't support the show if we wouldn't think it was like worth it. No, it's called Radwood for a reason, because it's a rad show. Like, yeah. It's a really good time. Yeah. I mean, we've now literally flown to the other side of the country to attend one show. Yeah. We've driven 20 hours each way to attend one show. Yeah. So the fact that it's going to be one, hypothetically, in our backyard, I mean, Philadelphia is not around the corner, but it's a lot closer than Atlanta was. Yeah. Um, it's a great weekend trip. The show is on a Sunday, so you can leisurely drive there on a Saturday, go to the show. Show's over early afternoon, or, you know, early to mid-afternoon. Mm-hmm. And if you want, be home in time for bed on Sunday and back to work on Monday. So if you're somewhere in the Boston area, or even in Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, yeah. go to the show. It's going to be a good time. And they have a ton of merchandise on their website. Oh, yeah. A ton of cool stuff. Uh, like uh, standing in the hot sun. I was like, crap, I didn't bring a hat, so I bought one of their hats. I did the same thing, actually. So now we have matching Redwood hats. Yeah. How cute. It was kind of dorky when we were there, but whatever. Doesn't matter. Um, yeah. They have nice hats and uh, nice comfy t-shirts. I think we're both at the age in our lives, a time in our lives where wearing a matching hat and being a nerd is less important than not burning our faces off. Yeah, it's yeah. true. They have a bunch of like cool retro-inspired design shirts that say Radwood on them. Yeah, most stuff is inspired by a logo from something else. Yeah. Kind of like they we They have like did. a Black Flag one. They have a Nickelodeon one. Yeah, kind of like we do with our stickers. We have like a different racing livery for each one. This yeah. one's got you know, different things from the Rad era, which is 1980 to 1999. Again, if you can't go to the show, but you like the idea of it and you want to support them, just buy their merch. Absolutely. And I think it's cool stickers, cool yeah. t-shirts. It's worth it. Hats. And yeah. on top of it, if you go to the show and you meet the people who run the show, they're super nice people. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know what else to say about that. No, it's a good time. And it's getting a lot of traction in the automotive world. And it's good to be in the beginning of something. So, go early and say you went. Radwood, 2018. I was there. You can say that in 20 years. Yep. So, it's very good. Very good time. So, And there's some amazing cars that show up, which we'll get into in our recap of yeah. the show last weekend. So, we might as well get into that. So, what do we do? What did we do? We left. So, yeah. It was on Saturday. Friday. We left on Friday. No, the show was on Saturday. Saturday, yes. So, let's start there. Okay. So, the show is at Road Atlanta in conjunction with Grid Life. Now, Grid Life is another cool thing. Yes. It's like... Which we didn't give much credit to at first. No. I'm getting there. It is Forza Horizon. Like the Forza Horizon Festival, if you've played the video game. Okay. So the premise of Forza Horizon versus Forza Motorsport. Forza Horizon is like a free world roaming racing game. Right. And they, the last one I played, it's in Australia, and you like have to put on this motorsports festival. So you're saying at Grid Life, I can find a garage with an abandoned M1, and I can own it for free? Sure. All right. <laughs> but that, that part's not the same. <laughs> basically, that's what it feels like is this little festival thing. They've taken the best part of like motorsports events... And then they've combined them with music festivals mm-hmm. over like a couple days at a cool racetrack. Not, it's a cool racetrack, but it's all it's during the warm weather. So basically, that's how they get these racetracks because it's during their off season because nobody yeah. really wants to go to yeah. Road Atlanta in, in the middle of, middle of August. August. Yeah. Usually, you, they do all their events in the spring and in the fall when it's cooler. However, it was not a bad weekend there. It worked out because it was in the low. 80s and not very a lot not a lot of humidity for atlanta so anyways when i first heard about grid life a couple years ago i was like that sounds terrible like i don't think i will be into that at all but a bunch of people i know who whose opinion i respect went to it and they're like no it's actually 
really cool. Check it out. The problem is it's only at Gingerman Raceway in Illinois. Not here. Or down here at Road Atlanta. So I hadn't had a chance to go to it. But with Radwood being at Grid Life, I was like, you know what? That's a good opportunity to go check it out. And turns out the Rad the Radwood ticket was the cheapest way to get in. Gingerman's in Michigan. Michigan. It was in the Midwest somewhere. Anyway, it's they do drifting, time attack, uh, autocross in the parking lot area. Mm-hmm. They Car do show. beginner, like, track driving sessions. Yes, they have a car show. So they have a little bit of something for everyone. And when you, when someone tells you that millennium, millennials are not into vehicles or cars. Yeah, send them to, send them to grid life. Yeah. They're just not into your old cars. Right. They're into their cars. And they're into using their cars. Not just yeah. necessarily standing around them in a parking lot all the time. Because guess what? Cars are built for driving, and driving is fun. That's why we like cars. Yeah. But the one of the coolest things, though, is that they have all the pro drifters, and it's not a competition event, really. So they're just out They're just playing. out to mess around with each other and yeah. show off to the crowds. So... Brad got to see some pro-level drifting. Yeah, I've never seen pro-level drifting up close and personal. It is mind-boggling how good it is. So technically, I've never really seen it. I saw Ryan Turek do like a couple drift laps at AHMS once, mm-hmm. but there, there's no other pro-levels there, pro-level drifters there. Uh, and it was super cool. Like when you see a yeah. car do an entry at 100 with out of the car three inches away from it. Yeah. Doing the same angle at the same 100 miles an hour. Yeah. Bouncing the rev limiter on a supercharged or turbocharged V8. Yeah. It's pretty ridiculous. When people are like, drifting stupid. It's like, no, you haven't seen real drifting in person. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's And wild. then the coolest thing was there was a guy, a photographer there, and we ended up finding him on YouTube. I showed it to one of my coworkers. He found him like right away. Because my coworker was into drones. So this guy had like basically a racing drone and was chasing the drift cars. You know, he's a he was one of the event photographers, so it was allowed. Yeah. He's chasing the drift cars with a drone and it was crazy. Right. He's really good because he's right behind them as they enter the corner. And then he moves the drone to like the driver's window next to the car and just controls this drone from I'm assuming a third person view. Mm-mm. No? No, it's first person. So he's wearing goggles. So I mean a first person view. Excuse me, yeah. not a third person. A first person view, not a third person. Um, because there's no way you can control something like that without being at the perspective of it. Yeah. So it was pretty crazy to watch. Now this I mean, is it's, it's, pod it's, it's, racing. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's funny to sit here and say like it was impressive to watch this guy fly his drone because that sounds super nerdy and awful. But you didn't see this guy fly his drone. It was ridiculous. Uh, no, it's pretty cool, and I'm going to watch the video again because it's awesome. Yeah, we'll have to link the video up, actually. I um, actually currently haven't even watched it, but I have the link saved to watch right. it. I'm going to make you watch it after this, after we record this. Yes. So that stuff was super cool, and then we had uh, a parking lot in the middle of the infield, and that's where Radwood was. And actually, we'd both been to Road Atlanta before, just at different times. Different times, yeah. I actually didn't walk around the track that much because the only thing that was a bummer was like at Petit Lama and I'm sure at the Midi, they have shuttles that run around the track. Not at the Midi, at least not in 2006 when I went. Okay. So at Petit Lama, they at least have a shuttle because there's like 20,000 people there. Yeah. And it's a two and a half mile track. So to get around it's it. It's a long track and there's a lot of heavy hip. elevation change. Yeah. So you're climbing and going up and down hills. So all riding day. a tram around is really sweet. And that was the only problem was there was no. That's the, that is the cool thing about grid life is you can see a track when it's not that busy. But there was no trams or anything running around. So we didn't have a pit bike or a golf cart. So we didn't really walk around too much. No, we only watched like the drifting from a couple different vantage points. Yeah, that were easy to get to. I think if we had to do it all over again, we probably would have left Thursday. Yes. So that we would have had Friday to enjoy stuff on the track and Saturday to enjoy Radwood. Yes. I mean, yeah, Saturday to enjoy Radwood. So here's where I'm it started. because the next show is on Sunday, but this show is on Saturday. We left the Boston area at 3 in the morning on yes, Friday. Yes, we did. Because it was a 16-hour, 1,000... 200 mile drive. Yeah, it was a long drive. To Atlanta. And 16 hours is before you factor in for fuel and food stuffs. Yeah, so it's stretched out. Closer to 20. Closer to 20. 
uh, and that was in my Galant. Yes, the Galant cool. VR4. So second long distance road trip in the Galant. That's right. And I've been working on that car for a while because the last couple of years it was running really weird and it was super frustrating and I was annoyed with it. So this summer I started working on it, tinkering with it. This is also to remember it's not factory stock um, engine management either. So you can't like blame Mitsubishi for it running funky because you have... No, you this know. was before. It, oh, okay. It runs better with the aftermarket stuff. Oh, that's right. So it, it was, was running crappy. Stock. But it was the wrong ECU, right? No. Something was weird, I thought. No, it was not the wrong ECU. It was just old and worn out as they wear out. Okay. The caps go bad. You can then you can then The ECU caps can go bad, then you can replace them, and then a couple years later they'll go bad again. And that's unfortunately just a thing that you have to look out for on those cars. Or a lot of cars in that era, actually. But it's just a... If you know about it, it's easy once you know about it. And uh, so, yeah, I, you know, we have another listener, uh, Kevin Bates, NG Kev, was helping me tune it a bit. We still need some more tuning, but uh, it was running well enough mm-hmm. that uh, I was really nervous about driving it down there because it's been a long time since I'd driven it really far. Um, but, but no issues. No, that's the, that's the thing. The This part of the story... Uh, actually quite boring. There's nothing to tell. We drove for 20 hours. Yeah. And we got there. We drove on 81, which is uh, super annoying. Um, we might have some truckers that listen to our podcast. I don't know. But it's yeah, a major maybe. truck route. Yeah. Uh, I know of at least one or two that do. There's a lot of you guys in the left lane. But the sign says, trucks stay left. And I don't know why. In some places. Yeah. Other places it said, keep right. And they did not. Yeah, it's very bizarre, because truckers are usually very lane-disciplined. Yeah. And it just seems like an 81, it was just buck-wild, and they whatever they wanted to do. Basically, there's only two lanes. From Pennsylvania south, every car driver was terrible. Yeah, pretty much. Like, terrible. I don't know... I mean, it does not feel like it's that bad around here. We talk about Boston drivers being horrible. No, they're not. The they're really horrible. not. And there's enough of them that are bad that we think that. But then we drove down in the southeast of the United States, and we've all driven there before. I don't know why I've never noticed it as bad before, but this past weekend, nobody could drive. No. Everybody was hanging in the left lane. Yeah. Or they come flying up on your bumper, and when you were passing somebody, and then they wouldn't give you time to get out of the lane, they'd immediately dive bomb you on the right. Or you'd be in the right lane, and then you'd come up on a car, and out of nowhere, a car would come up next to you and, like, pace you so you couldn't change lanes to pass. I was like, what is going on down here right now? Oh, super annoying. Or you'd have to constantly pass on the right because people were just sitting just in the left lane. Hanging on the left, yeah. I mean, if you've got, like, 30 people have passed you in the left lane. Wake the F up. It's super annoying. Yeah. But anyway. We actually didn't hit that much traffic because we avoided all the major cities. Yeah, that's why we went 81 because yeah. we went out and around New so York and, you know, Washington, D.C. We didn't go the 95 route for two reasons. One, the major cities and the traffic, and two, the hundred and some odd dollars in tolls. Yeah. Yeah, I really didn't pay that much in tolls. And the fuel wasn't too bad. It was like four or five stops down, four or five stops up. Yeah, it wasn't bad. And about 40 bucks a stop. So it wasn't like, yeah. terrible. It was, you know, 200 and some odd dollars each way. That car got about, I mean, we were averaging. To carry three people? It's pretty good. Speed limits down there are 70. We're averaging about 75. 75 to 80. Uh, it was, got about 22 miles to the gallon, which at that speed is which pretty good. Which isn't bad at almost 80. Yeah. You probably and get more if you cut it down to 60. car is basically a brick. Yeah, pretty much. It's not very aerodynamic, so. And the, we had the AC running, cruise control. Yeah, windows up, AC on the whole way down, so. It's got a little... Vibration from the tires. Which is fine. Cars are old. It's also all-wheel drive. Yeah. It's got a whole bunch of things moving. Well, I think... Plus, you have a lot of solid-mounted things. Yeah, I had less vibration, but I had rotated the tires the back to the front. So, the backs were the more vibrating ones, but okay. I wanted to get even tire wear. So, that was probably partly to do with it. It wasn't so bad that I noticed. I'll put it that way. No. It doesn't drone too badly with the exhaust. Nope. No, it was comfortable. Again, with the windows up, especially the radio going, and yeah, not a problem. I mean, our only, I like honestly, the hardest, the most annoying thing was that the twelve volt, well, the cigarette socket stopped working. Yes, we couldn't charge our phones. Yeah, the, and I unfortunately forgot my like 
battery pack at home on my kitchen table. The fuse is not blown, so the socket's probably worn out. So I got to clean it up yeah. or something. And the USB that comes out of the radio doesn't put out enough power to charge your monster phone while it's working. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're using a screen for navigation. Charges mine fine, but and then that's the other I thing. I feel I feel like my phone isn't any more highly advanced it, than your iPhone. It definitely uses more power. You have a giant Samsung something. No, it's a Pixel. Whatever. Google Pixel. Yeah. It's a giant smartphone. It is big. Whatever. I'm old. I can't see anymore. I need a big screen. Big numbers. <laughs> you need the jitterbug. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the. Uh, Oh, and then the, your other complaint was my, my head unit's from 2012, so the Bluetooth doesn't work like a modern Bluetooth. It works for phone calls only. Yeah. Why does it even have Bluetooth? That's the way Bluetooth worked back then. I don't remember that because I didn't have Bluetooth then, but yeah. you connect the phone to Bluetooth, and it will show what's playing. Like, you put a podcast on, and it shows the name of the podcast and, like, the picture from the podcast. Well, that's USB. Yeah, okay, that's USB, but it won't play the audio. No. Through the USB. No, it won't. And then on... Bluetooth, it will only play phone calls. So you can talk to somebody, Yeah, but you can't play stream music or podcasts. And I just don't drive the car enough to drop $200 on another head unit. Well, I mean, it's not a, a it's not particularly a problem. I mean, I don't have Bluetooth head unit in my daily driver either. It's not a big deal. We had satellite radio. Yeah. Welcome to 1999. Whatever. Satellite radio. We're like mid-2000s. I guess. I mean, we were heading to Radwood, so we could have had cassettes. Yeah, I don't have a cassette player in the car. You might as well. Your Bluetooth doesn't do shit. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I don't have a cassette player either. But actually, no, CDs would be error appropriate too because it was mid nineties. Yeah. yeah. Actually, th- technically, I think the patent for the CD came out in like eighty one. Yeah. So it did. while they weren't really available, available, they were throughout the entire rad era relevant. My dad had CDs in the eighties. Oh, for sure. Yeah, your dad always he adopted was an early adopter. Early. On everything. I remember the CD player you had when we were kids, and like you had on a cement floor in the basement, and a slot car would go off the track and land on the cement floor within 12 feet of the CD player, and it would skip. Yeah, it was a first-generation Discman. Yeah. I'm just saying it was a cement floor, and a slot car weighs like 12 ounces, yeah. and it would make the skip go off. I should try to find it. Be a good prop for the car. I mean, that's the we're getting to the level now where we have props in our show cars. Yeah, it's a little scary. Yeah. I'm waiting for the fake food tray for the uh, drive-thru. There probably wouldn't be one because drive-thrus weren't really common in the 80s. Drive-ins. Yeah, yeah drive-ins, I mean. Yeah, drive-thrus were more common in the 80s. Yeah. But yeah, no, we don't have the, like the sock hop 50s stuff. Maybe I should get, uh, I should find a vintage McDonald's bag and put vintage McDonald's food. I mean, you could probably still eat it, so it's fine. Yeah. I mean, you saw that story about the guy in Canada that had like six years on a shelf, right? Yeah, I don't know how true yeah. that is. <laughs> It didn't look very appetizing, so... To be fair, McDonald's isn't very appetizing the day it's made, so... Yeah. But when we got to the show, I did put out the Game Boy and the bag phone. Right, and the Crying Baby Doll. I mean, nope, no Crying Baby Doll. No, no Crying Baby Doll. Yeah, no, we we have become what we hate, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Because it's our era. That's so. right. So anyway... Whatever. Got to the show. I'm down with it. Got the car set up. Um, well... The important part of the story that you're forgetting about before we got to the show. What's that? Is your wife was going down as well. Oh, we lost the Top Gear race. Yes. Not that we were racing. So we left at 3 a.m. in the morning. Stephanie wanted to go as well, but she also wanted to go to work on Friday. And needed to drop the dog off the kennel. And needed to drop the dog off of the kennel. So she decided to buy a plane ticket. So not only did she beat us down there by multiple hours, but she no. went to work during the day too. <laughs> no, she was only there like an hour before us. Still. I'm not going to count the hour we uh, were in Walmart because we were in the area. That's true. Getting um, stuff for her. And for me. Because not only did I forget my battery pack to charge my phone, I also forgot my sneakers. Yeah. So. Yeah. You're the weirdo that drove barefoot. No, I drove in flip-flops. And when you drive in flip-flops, I take off the clutch flip-flop because it gets caught on the carpet. Okay. So I left the, the driving flip-flop on. Because you're constantly on the throttle, so your foot would get sore. You need to keep the flip-flop on. Weird. I don't not weird. It's totally normal. Wearing flip-flops is weird. I bet I'm not the only person that drives in flip-flops and takes off the clutch foot because you can't I use it properly. Human beings should not wear flip-flops. Whatever. It's summertime, man. Comfort is, is important. It's just super weird. 
Would you rather I have worn sneakers and stunk the car up with sweaty feet? If you were just wearing sneakers? Well, when I took them off. Why would you take them off? Because it's hot and I want to wear flip-flops. Anyway, I forgot my sneakers. So. I mean, I was only disappointed that they weren't super cheap 80s flip-flops that were like the white foam. Yeah, but see, you can't wear those because they're uncomfortable. If you're going to wear uh, flip-flops uh, on a daily basis, you need to have expensive flip-flops. Whatever. Because they're comfortable. Anyway, Dumb. going back to the story, I forgot my sneakers. So I said, let's find like a Target or a Kohl's so I can buy a pair of Chucks because they're very air-appropriate. When we got there, it was too late to go to a Target or a Kohl's, and the only thing that was open was a Walmart. 24 hours. 24 hours. So I bought a pair of Avaya sneakers, which I assume were a Walmart brand because they were in Walmart. They had like a nice foam pad in the bottom of them, and they were like all neon colors. So I was like, sweet. These are like totally Redwood era looks, and they're $20, and they have like a memory foam bottom. Pro tip. Don't ever buy sneakers at Radwood. Mm-hmm. Radwood, excuse me. Don't ever buy sneakers at Walmart. Yeah. They are very not comfortable, and my feet are still not recovered from a yeah. day of walking around in them. That memory foam will never forget the horrors. No, it's, it's my feet will never forget the memory, exactly. It was awful. My feet were so sore by the end of the day walking around. So, all right. And I wear chucks, which are not known to be comfortable. No. These are way worse. Anyway. Yes. Back to the car show. Yes. No more sneaker talk. Yeah, garbage well, sneakers. Actually, there was sneaker talk at the car show too. So. We'll get there. Yeah. The um. So, it is in amongst this giant grid life festival. Unlike the standalone show we went to in L.A., it's a different vibe. Yeah, a lot of different vibe. It was kind of. Um, it didn't have. It definitely did not have the same energy. No, for certain, it did not. Um, I know it was smaller, which didn't help. Yep. There was less interesting things going on at the same time at Radwood because it was part of something else. Yeah. Uh, they had a little trouble getting the DJ in there at first. He wasn't there. People had a little trouble getting there because nobody that works at the Speedway knew where the Radwood show was or even what the Radwood show was. Yeah. That was a bit difficult. Yeah. There were no signs or anything. I mean, give them the benefit of the doubt because they were working within another event. Oh, this has no reflection on the Radwood organizers or the Radwood staff. This is all Road Atlanta staff. Yeah. But anyway, it worked out. We were there probably 32 hours early. Well, it seemed like we needed to be there earlier. but Yes, we were definitely there way earlier than we needed to be. It was just us and the photographer. But whatever, it worked out. It did. We had front row parking. That's awesome. <laughs> so... All the cars showed up. Any standouts? There were quite a few standouts. I have a hard time remembering what cars... I just have a hard time remembering the day for some reason. So... Like, there was just so much going on. My theory of why so we don't warm, remember a lot of the cars... And I was tired. My theory of why we don't remember a lot of the cars... We spent a lot of time talking to people. We did. And not paying attention to cars. We had several listeners come up to us. Which is always awesome. And a couple of them, I don't remember your names. I'm sorry. It's mind-blowing to be in Atlanta and have people that know us come up to us and talk yes, to us. But we appreciate that you came up to Yeah, no, us. it was awesome. Yes. Yeah, we definitely appreciate it. So if you see us somewhere, please come say hi. Yeah. We're totally not normal, but we'll talk to you anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, standouts for me, other than the Gallant that was parked next to us. Oh, the, the Gallant, the Gallant Sigma. Sigma. Yeah. Um, which is owned by the original owner's son and yep. is immaculate, like, Fresh out of the box. Yeah, it was restored. Yes, but still, it's an 88 Galant Sigma. doesn't deserve to be restored, but I appreciate that it was. It's awesome that it was. I didn't realize they were a front-wheel drive V6 mm-hmm. and a manual transmission. Yeah, it's a pretty wild combo. So it's... And like 80 space-age styling. Yeah, it's like 140, 150 horsepower. So it's a cool car. It's probably pretty quick. Yeah. It's a cool car. It had Perry Greg Momos on it. On yeah, wheels. Good, good torque. It's got this weird single spoke steering wheel and this weird gauge cluster but layout. But what else has a single spoke steering wheel of the era made by Mitsubishi? I don't know. A Sephora. Oh, really? Yeah. Actually, I guess it's split at the bottom, but the same design with a small little relief at the bottom. I thought it was very French looking. It's very French looking. The whole interior is very French looking. The whole car is very French looking. Yeah. If you told me, if I didn't know it was a Mitsubishi and you told me it was a, a Citroen. Citroen or Peugeot. I'd more likely Citroen. They had the more angular weird stuff in the 80s. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it fits their design culture more. Uh, I it would does even with the little skirts, the skirts over the, rear, over the wheels. rear wheels, the weird angle of the front end, the weird lines over the taillights, yeah. the weird turn signal I stocks. Who designed in the interior. It. I wonder if they had a French person design it. I don't know. We'll have to find out. Yeah, but it's a cool looking car. It's very you cool never car. see them anymore. Um, I've uh, never seen one in person. There used to be one in Salem. You know the new courthouse is. Yes, there used to be a house in the corner there, and there was one there on Jack Stands for like fifteen years. It was white. It was there forever. You would know that. I never noticed it. Well, I like. I've always liked weird shit. So. Yep. Some some things never change. Yep. Story checks out. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that was a standout for me. Obviously, the car that won Best of Show should be a standout for everybody. Um, because it's the only one in the world that ever existed. So I mean, there was the AMG Hammer in the eighties. Yep. Which was. I kept calling it a sledgehammer. <laughs> Well, it's because you had your Radwood vibe going on. You had a little yeah, Phil Collins in the head. Uh, Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel, excuse me. Wow, that's embarrassing. Yeah. Um. So there was an AMG Hammer, which was the top-of-the-line AMG. It was before AMG was even part of Mercedes, I think. Yeah, it was still standalone, pre-merger. Um, and the Hammer was like the car. That was what, the... So what body style Mercedes was that? It was the smallest Mercedes with the biggest engine? Is no, it was not the smallest. It was like the mid-size one. Because there would have been the 2.3 16-valve body style was smaller. Okay. Um, so I'm trying to think of what the hammer was based on. People are screaming at us right now. that no yeah, one well, I got BMW stuff wrong, so I might as well get Mercedes stuff wrong now. W124. No, bigger. W I, mean, I mean later. Hold on, just one two seven. Hold on. W three fifty six. W something. W D forty. Yeah, W D forty. Exactly what it was. I don't know what it is. I don't know either. I know it has a four liter. It's from nineteen eighty seven. V eight. Are you googling it? I'm trying. I'm having a hard time. You don't know how to type. AMG Hammer. I do, but there's no Wikipedia page coming up for it, which I probably shouldn't admit that I use. Oh, there's a thing about the uh... the car we're going to talk about in a minute. All right, it is a W124. Oh! So you were correct. I was right. So anyways, what's the it's the BMW. I'm way wrong now. It is the Mercedes W124 chassis. Um, the hammer was a 6-liter quad cam V8. Um, and this didn't exist in a station wagon form, except for this one particular one. Because you had to buy the car. Then it was sent back to AMG, where they ripped the engine out and put the bigger 4-liter in it. Correct. Sorry. 6-liter. Six 6-liter. Six yeah. Um, so one guy convinced them to build a wagon. Um, this wagon was like a dark blue color. It was really pretty. Uh, it cost... Over $200,000 in 1987. Yeah. About 400 horsepower. That is bizarre. It's pretty cool, though. That's $460,000 in today's money Yeah, for a Mercedes-Benz midsize wagon. And it's only moderately fast by today's standard. Like, right. uh, 0-60 is uh, 5 seconds. Which is nothing to sneeze at. It's still... It's slow today. It's not slow. It is slow today. By what standards? Today's standards, it's very slow. I think that if I drove a five-second to 60 car, I'd still be happy with how fast it is. How fast is your WRX to 60? It's probably six-something. Right. Uh, STI so is four and a half. Really that fast, huh? An Evo is four and a half. Uh, your Evo ran a 13.1. This car would run a 13.5. My Evo ran a 13.3. Okay. So, yeah, it's slow by modern standards. For the price. Or average. For the price, it's definitely slow on standards. But at the time, it was not. And the 0 to 60 time, like, there's probably some minivans that would equal it. I can't think of any five-second minivans top of my head, but maybe there are. I bet some of the V6 minivans are in the 6 to... 7. Maybe. Yeah, so that's still slower than this. Regardless... It's a wild car. It's really cool that it exists. It's cool that one of one ever existed, and it was there at the show, and it won. It deserved best of show. Deserved best of show. Yeah. So that was definitely a standout car of the show. And then the best time machine of the show? 
the 85 Oldsmobile? Was it 85? I somehow missed it. Really? It looked like it was straight out of the Americans. It was beautiful, apparently. Yeah, it was it's a gorgeous. diesel. Which is bizarre. And the only reason it still exists is because it was never driven when it was new. Yeah. Because that diesel engine is horrifyingly bad. Well, it was a 350 small block converted to diesel. Correct. But forgot about a factory because they were losing sales to like Volvo Mer- and Mercedes, Mercedes diesels. diesels. And they decided that they didn't have the time or energy to build a brand new engine. So why not convert our old standby small block into a diesel? Well, guess what? It didn't work very well. Yeah, that makes Most sense. Most of them died. Most of them died a horrible head gasket death. So Yeah, because the compression ratio. Yeah. Anyway, so that was really cool looking. Um, there was an 8,000-mile Mercur there, Mercur XI-40i. Yep. Uh, it was not in 8,000-mile condition, but the story behind the car was really neat. Um, supposedly it had been won in like a casino drawing or something in the 80s, brand mm-hmm. new. And it had been sent to uh, Rapido, which was the company that made all the go-fast bits for Mercurs back in the day. Um, so it was converted with every part they had on the car. That it was won in some raffle or purchased, no, it was purchased by a casino. And that casino was investigated by whether it be the SEC or the IRS or somebody. And the car was seized and it was parked outside for like 30 years. So it's pretty trashed. But the story behind the car is cool. And all the rare, rare Rapido parts are still on the car. Um, so it would be cool to see the car either restored or a nice one be given all the parts from the car. Because they're pretty rare in this day and age to see something with all those parts on it. So that was kind of neat. Mm-hmm. I mean, the story is not verified, but it checks out, and it's a pretty interesting story, whether it's true or not. It makes sense, the way the condition of the car is, yeah. that it was outside. Oh, there's no question the car was outside. That's not the part of the story that I question. <laughs> the car was definitely stored outside for a very long time. Yeah, so that no makes paint left, it but. makes sense why the mileage was so low. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I'm not saying I doubt the story. I'm just saying that it wasn't like a verifiable fact. But it was an interesting story, and if it's true, it's a wild story, and the car deserves to be restored, even though it's an automatic. Yeah, I like those cars a lot. And the guy rolled it off a trailer, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I, I I like the car a lot, and the car is uh, definitely on my not that particular car, but one of those cars is definitely on my bucket list car to own someday. Because I may as well collect all the terrible 80s turbo cars, right? Sure. Yeah. That's one of them. Speaking of terrible 80s turbo cars, what? there was a beautiful black stereo in there. There was. Gorgeous car. Mm-hmm. 88. Mm-hmm. Um, just 54,000 miles or 45,000 miles. It was like brand new. Same owner brought a 3000 GT. Which is also immaculate. Early pop-up car. Yep. The same owner has two more stereos that are available on Turo in the Atlanta area if you're in the area. So is the 3000 GT. Yeah, still like $30 something a day. Totally Almost worth it. Almost $40. Yeah, yeah 30 totally now. worth it. Yeah, we should have flown down and turned those cars, but we didn't know. Had we known. We'd be a lot more rested right now. Yeah, whatever. We have a little bit of a legend story, though, that we drove the Glant down. So. Oh, for that. sure. Uh, so anyway, the Glant got to be parked next to Art from Driving While Awesome's new Celica GT4, his 90. Celica Alltrack. All track. Different than GT4. Nope. It's G- a- no, it's different than GT4. GT4 was not an American market car and it made more power. Didn't it say GT4 in the back? Nope, it said all track. Same difference. Uh, it's <laughs> Value wise, specifically, it's a lot different. But I guess. Different car. Same thing to me. Anyway. Whatever, it's fine. Uh, what else do we have? The um, AMC Eagle sedan. That thing was wild. There was a Lexus GS400. The guy had an awesome setup on it, too, because the car was minty. Uh, he set up all the champagne glasses on yes, the hood. Yes, like the, the way they did it in the advertising campaign back yeah. in the day. And then he was he had like a Run DNC-like outfit on. And he yeah, won, he looked he won like best Rev dre- Run the whole way, for sure. Yeah, he, he won best, of, uh, best Dressed. And the car won something, too. I forget what the car won. I feel like it won something, or maybe it was just him. I think it, no, I think it did. Um, like best presentation, maybe. I think yeah, something like that. Whatever. It was cool. It was nice. I'm trying to think of what else there was. It was hard to keep track of everything. Oh, there was uh, two Lee Keen Safari cars. Yep, his original far- Safari car. Yep, and one that was kind of like a purpley mauve color. Yeah, it was like brand new. It was really cool. And 
911 Carrera C2, which was a 993, white and white. Oh, that car is gorgeous. Yep. A really sweet looking R32 in white. That's, these were all Lee Keen's cars. I don't know if they're all his cars they or his friend's cars yeah. or... Yeah, those are really cool. Um, what else? What are you looking at over there? I'm looking at Celica GT4 history, trying to figure out exactly if I'm right or not. Whatever. It appears that I am. Okay. Because it's a GT4, which is a homologation car, which they made 5,000 of. Okay. 1,800 for Japan. Japan. 3,000 for Europe. 150 to Australia, 25 to Singapore, and a couple to New Zealand. Okay. So that was not the car. This car's an all-track, which is an American market version of the same. Okay. Same car. Just with different parts. Okay. Sure. Anyway. Well, whatever. We need to be factually correct here. It's not the same exact car. It's close. Whatever. I'm not... Yeah, I just... It's... Listen, I get called out when I'm wrong, so I don't want to be wrong anymore. So... Anyway, the car is beautiful. It's a bright red over black. It has the GT4 RC hood, uh, and I guess he's looking for the bumper. And it sat on a set of, um, what's the name of that wheel? 1552 Tarmacs. 1552 Tarmacs, yeah, which I guess Dark are a gray. temporary wheel until he gets the 1552 Integrales to go on the car. So, yeah. Beautiful car, and it was cool to see two group Group A homologation guys parked next to one another. Mm-hmm. Well, technically no, because the GT4 would have been the homologation car. Oh, god damn it! You know what I mean? I don't know. I think they all technically were. So anyway, um, what else was there for cars? There was two AMG Hammers, like we said, one sedan, one wagon, right? Or uh, no, there was three, right? No, there were two Hammers. One was a sedan, one was a wagon, and then was a Rentec Benz next to them. Oh, okay. Rentec was obviously another tuning house in Germany. There was a really cool 924 Turbo S. Yeah, that car was gorgeous. The green colored one. Mm-hmm. Yep. There was a couple other cars. Oh, of course, there was a Montero, a short wheelbase. Yeah, that one raddest SUV. Yes. Which is cool. So, yeah, he's a member of the uh, Mitsubishi Monteros USA Facebook group. Yep. So that's cool. Yeah, that truck was Ar- really Ar- cool. Ar- Ar- Armin, right? Armin, yep. yeah. Yeah. He was super excited to win that. Yeah, he was super excited. He's a super cool guy. Yes. So, glad to have met him as well. Um, there's a bunch of FJ... FJ uh, 40s? 60s? 60s. 60s. Yep. FJ 60s. A couple imports. Yep. And an American market one. Mm-hmm. And then there was the FJ something or rather. It's a short wheelbase with a narrower nose on it. And it was converted into a pickup truck style. It was mm-hmm. a, like a two-door one. Mm-hmm. I think Toyota called those the Blizzard in the 80s. The short wheelbase ones. Um but it had like a little fiberglass cap on it and a little pickup bed in the back, which maybe you want to do that to the Montero real bad. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a Nissan Patrol uh, Japanese fire truck. That was pretty wild. Um, yeah, as far as cars go, like I said, it's, it's hard to think back to what was there because we're just so into the whole hanging out and talking to people. Mm-hmm. So I know when we went to um, Radwood in California, they had like the BMX comp- the BMX display, and yep. BMX bikes, and they couldn't have that kind of stuff here because this was part of another show. Mm-hmm. So they had to kind of keep it back. Yep. Um, but they did have the kind of comical contest. Yes. With the uh, lacing up a pair of Puma suede's, <laughs> who could do it the fastest? So if you listen to the smoking tire. Matt Farah talks about how he, there's a couple episodes somewhere, I don't know where, I've listened to enough that I've, I've caught it. He apparently, he used to work at Foot Locker. When he was a teenager in Connecticut. Yeah. yeah, and he won some lace-up contests they do at the stores. It was right. a real thing they did. Just, you know, employee morale competitions, you'd win like cash or something. So he was the fastest. So he was always bragging about this, so the Radwood organizer decided, well, let's do a Puma Suede lace-up contest. So the Radwood organizers went on his show, and they recorded at his house, Yeah. and his girlfriend had made him a plaque as a joke yeah. that said he was the fastest lacer, so it was like a fake like award. world champion or something. Yeah, so they were making fun of him for that, so they decided to have a contest where they laced up some Puma's weights at the show. Yes. And so they did like a bracket style where a couple people, like five or six people, faced off, mm-hmm. and then the final thing was they 
raced against Matt Farah. They raced against Matt Farah. And it sounds really, really stupid. Right. And they apologized even before it started about how dumb this idea was. But it was very entertaining. It was incredibly entertaining. It was just really fun. And uh, this dude beat Matt Farah. Yeah, he did. Which I still maintain that he might not have had he not gone three rounds before getting to Matt Farah. Because Matt hadn't done any lacing all day. (laughs) Whatever. The guy was all warmed up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> whatever whatever it was fun and it's cool that you know the guy beat him and got to walk off with a pair of pumas wades and some other swag so yeah that was pretty neat so we did get to meet matt fair for a few minutes yeah wicked Su- nice guy super nice guy yep. he had the uh jeep track hawk he yep. was using Been doing track laps in it apparently he can only do one or two at a time because we just overheat the brakes yeah because for some reason the world needs a 700 horsepower suv correct that tows 8,000 pounds and can do, like, 13-second quarter but miles. But to be or honest... 11-second quarter miles, or was it, did? Yeah, 11 like mid-11s? Yeah. Uh, it has all-wheel drive. It's actually a more practical vehicle than a Hellcat. Oh, 100%. Like, I would rather have that Jeep if I had $80,000 to waste. Yeah. Because it nobody knows what it is. It's Total a total sleeper. You're not going to get tickets in it just every day. Yeah. You can put stuff in it. You can put four people in it. You can tow 8,000 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually kind of a cool car. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it's no question it's a cool car. It's, you know, we're obsessed with the rad era, you know, GMC Cyclone and GMC Typhoon. It's just a modern version of that. Yeah. I mean, there's no there's no denying that. It's a modern version of that car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty and, cool. And more capable than those cars. Which those cars are awesome. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. And another bucket list someday car, but it's a wild vehicle. Yeah, so... I'd go to Radwood again. It was pretty cool. Oh, would you go to Radwood again? Now you've gone twice? I mean, uh, Grid Life. <laughs> yes, Grid Life. I would definitely go to Grid Life again, too. I'd, actually, I'd like to go to Grid Life, maybe at Gingerman next year, um, and do mm-hmm. the whole weekend so we can see everything yeah. and, and be involved with everything. And I I think it's really neat. And I'm totally sold on drifting yeah. now. I know the, sh- the shootout was the weekend before. We missed it. And we also missed MOD East, which was the same day as Radwood. I haven't seen any pictures from that. I've seen a couple. What was it? Lancer show? Uh, it was like a new Mitsubishi dealer. Yeah. With like a couple old Monteros. Yeah. And one Starion. Yeah. Yeah. Still, I like to go to that show to represent the vintage Mitsubishi side of things. Mm-hmm. Just because nobody else does. Yeah. So. Whatever. Sometimes things happen on the same days as other things and you gotta make a choice. Like Radwood in Philadelphia is the same day as Japanese Car Day in Brookline. Which Japanese Car Day in Brookline is my favorite local show every single year. Japanese Car Day in Brookline is there every year. This is the first year of Radwood in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Who knows if it's going to happen again? I'm going to go to Radwood in Philadelphia. Yep. So we're going. Do you want to meet us again? That's yeah. where we're going. Yeah. Or if you want to go to Radwood and not meet us, you can go there and avoid us the whole time, which is more likely what people want to do. Perfectly fine. Go to the show. You do you. Enjoy it. We're super excited for it. We're going to be down there with at least two cars, hopefully more. And we're going to bring hopefully a lot of local friends with us. Yeah. So we're going to have a good time. So I know personally I'll be driving down probably Friday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're probably planning on going down Friday morning, but we'll make it happen. Probably Friday yeah. night. Oh, okay. Excellent. And so, staying for a little bit. Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be a good time. And it's going to be its own standalone show like in L.A., so it's going to have that same all-Radwood vibe. And I yeah. think there's going to be more stuff going on. You get up your uh, outfit game, though. We both do. Yeah. yeah. Not as good. We're not good. We gotta we gotta do it up. But in our defense, we drove to Atlanta. Yeah. We should have had better outfits though. I mean, I tried to have like a hot weather outfit. It still wasn't cool enough. But we drove to Atlanta. Yeah. So we get, you know, a little bit of a pass yeah. on the outfits. Plus your wife killed it, so Yeah. I'm hoping that we get in October where it's warm but not too warm. I wanna go with some like Business casual. Yeah. Early 80s. Some layered stuff. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, because um, people, you got to remember that the, the 80s era wasn't all neons and tracksuits. There were other things going on, too. I'm going for like an American's look where it's like yeah. muted colors. There was a guy there. Actually, another highlight car for me was that like 8300 Accord, 8600 Accord, whatever year it was. It was the early pop 80s. Pop up headlight style. So it probably would have been, I think it's like 85 that started. Yeah. Um, These. But, Two dudes. Oh, it was one dude who was with the Oldsmobile. 
Oh, are those the two that are together? Yeah. Okay. And uh, they were wearing... They're, like, they're friends. One of them's from Ohio. One of them's from Atlanta. Yeah. Their clothes were like early 80s, like late 70s, yeah. early 80s. Yeah, it was like the guy who got in style in 1977 and was carrying it over into like 1984. Yeah. If you watch like American Made with Tom Cruise, it takes place in like... Yep. Starts in like 81. Yeah, it was that outfit. That's what he looks like. Yeah. yeah. But he killed it. And his, his car was cool too because of a two-tone brown and white pop-up headlight manual transmission accord sedan. Mm-hmm. That was pretty sweet. Yeah. Big fan of that car. Mm-hmm. And I talked to him for about 20 minutes at the end of the day. Um, he's from Ohio. He said it was like a you know eight-hour drive for him to get to where he was going in Ohio. He's going to try to make the Philadelphia show, but not sure. Nice. But the car is really nice. Yep. All right. I think that wraps it up. I think that wraps up the Radwood coverage. We didn't have much else to say. Yeah, Radwood's cool. Rad, Radwood's cool. Yep. Time um, Attack is cool. GT4 and all tracks are the same, except GT4 for the ECU. GT4 and all tracks are the same. Except for the ECU. And the badges as GT4. Yeah. Yeah. But same e- car. Uh, ECU and intercooler. Okay. Yeah. That's for crashworthiness. No, it's for homologation worthiness. And crashworthiness. US1 probably has to have a smaller intercooler for a bigger crash bumper. Okay. Possibly. Just like a glant. Just saying. Whatever. Corrections will the episode's even over. I knew there was a difference. I know the American ones were not called GT4s. So. That also probably like some licensing issue or something in the United States. No idea. But I'm not going to commit to being totally wrong. Just not totally right. Okay. All right. Sure. I like it. Whatever you say. Anyway. Says the on that note... Thanks for tuning in again, and uh, keep cards analog, and aim for the roses.